Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. All right, welcome in NCAA hockey fans to a special edition of College Hockey Southwest Live. Scott Strandy with you from beautiful Budweiser Event Center in Loveland, Colorado. My special guest host tonight, who stayed up nearly 24 hours for us, Nick Maxson from Husky Productions out in Allentown, Pennsylvania, I believe. Nick, how are you? It's been a long day. Let's put it that way. Uh, but it's a great day. <laughs> uh, the playoffs have started, Scott. And uh, holy cow, uh, some great hockey to, uh, this morning as well. So it's been, it's been fun. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, your travel day. Let's start by talking about that. How early did you get up this morning? And tell us how you got from, I guess, St. Cloud or Minneapolis to uh, Allentown? Yeah, Minneapolis. So I was up at uh, essentially one thirty in the morning, uh, central time. Uh, got all the equipment put together. Uh, was essentially at MSP by about 2.30ish or so. Now, mind you, you know, getting through security before three o'clock is a no, no. So <laughs> you're waiting to get your bags checked and whatnot. <laughs> uh, first flight out was, uh, was five o'clock. Got into O'Hare, uh, just after about seven fifteen. there was a, a lengthy delay. There was a 45 minute game delay. We were sitting on the tarmac and then it was uh, a little bit of layover before we're getting to uh, Allentown here in Lehigh Valley. And, uh, uh, we got in at about four thirty or so. So it's, it's, it's been a day. We'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you got that strong coffee in Chicago on the way. <laughs> there was something consumed in Chicago. I'm not sure what it was. So <laughs> it was not coffee because all the coffee all the coffee lines were ages long and I just had uh, no patience to wait in those lines. <laughs> uh, I don't blame you a bit. Well, I'm glad you got there safely. Uh, your your action starts tomorrow. So well, we'll get into that in a minute, but today's action, goodness. Other than the uh, little bit of drama that was UMD versus uh, Michigan Tech, the other three games were craziness. Again, as you would expect, chaos in the NCAA tournament. Um, where do we want to start? Uh, let's let's save this Denver and Duluth one for last. Let's, which one did you see first? Uh, let's go. Right, I think we should just go right in you know chronological order here. How about Minnesota okay. State and Harvard? Uh, yeah. Only because, you know, there's a lot of Midwest uh, bias in, in these matchups. <laughs> and uh, Minnesota State controlled the first 20 minutes in this one. It was a 2 nothing game. And I was seeing all over social media a bunch of people that I know who were saying, this one's over. And I'm like, how can this be over? You guys know better than this. This is the playoffs now. There is no lead that's safe until you see three zeros across the clock after the third period. So Harvard made it a game. Uh, you know, Minnesota State uh, ended up having a 4-2 lead in the third. Uh, Harvard cut it to one, just couldn't get it done in the third. But it was a it was a much closer game than I think uh, Minnesota State fans would have liked. And uh, again, uh, I just I, – I challenge any fan that watches college hockey to know that it, during this time of, of the year, anything can happen – you know, no lead is safe, you know, never take your foot off the gas. And, uh, you know, it was a good, it was a good game for both squads, but, uh, ultimately I think the better team ended up winning that matchup. And, uh, uh, how about that? Good first, uh, outing there from Mike Hastings squad. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think a lot of people just 
penciled Minnesota State in knowing that they were the number one or two team all year long. And I think they thought, yeah, you know what, uh, just pencil them in. Harvard's not going to be able to keep up with them. And, and then the fast start, like you say, uh, probably uh, reinforced that a little bit. But as you also said, we all know that this is playoff hockey and anything can happen and usually does. Um, and Harvard, you know, they never quit. Ted Donato puts together a hockey team that uh, um, just doesn't quit no matter what. And they played a tough schedule. Uh, they still had some COVID issues. And, of course, last year they didn't play. And um, so so it was a battle for them. And who knows, if that one had gone to overtime, <laughs> there could have been craziness again. But Minnesota State does advance. Um then you come back here to Loveland. We had a one o'clock mountain time start for uh, Minnesota Duluth and Michigan tech. And uh, the Bulldogs just do what the Bulldogs do. They scored their first, the first goal of the game. And you, you, you looked around and you said, whoop, this one might be over with a one, nothing lead because Ryan Fanti hasn't given up a goal in the last 83 shots. He's faced over three quote playoff games. So uh, your thoughts on, uh, on Mr. Fanti and the Bulldogs advancing to the West Regional Final? Uh, this was a matchup I think a lot of people looked at and really thought Michigan Tech, they had a great season, honestly. Uh, they, they put up a good fight in the CCHA, and it, it was one of those, you know, could Michigan Tech pull it off? Was there enough offensive, you know, juice there? Uh, but then you look at the regular season, you see some ups and downs. You see how St. Thomas uh, gave them a bit of a scare throughout the season. Uh, so there were some question marks. And as you mentioned, you know, sometimes you, you just get the team that's coming together at the right time. And we, we mentioned this last week, UMD seems to be that squad. And on top of that, they have the hottest goaltender in college hockey. We're now in Ryan Fanti. Uh, he was the, uh, the tournament uh, most outstanding player in St. Paul. Uh, continuing his play again with a shutout again tonight against uh, the Huskies. And uh, as you mentioned it, with Minnesota Duluth, if they get a two-goal lead on you, and sometimes if it's a one-goal lead, that's the position they like to be. Then they can put their defensive structure out. That is, they're comfortable playing with that. Uh, if you look at this game, again, great first period, 13 shots on goal in the first, then only six in the second and third period. So they were outshot in the last 40 minutes of play. But again, they're just so comfortable playing that defense uh, first style under Scott Sandlin. And right now that team is clicking on every single similar. There might be the most dangerous squad um, in this, uh, in this field right now. Well, I witnessed all three of the uh, Duluth goals right smack in front of me. So I was able to get a few good shots with it, but uh, Kobe Roth talked about coming back as a fifth year and somebody asked him, uh, in the post-game uh, press conference about, was there any question whether you would come back or not? And he said, hey, it's Minnesota Duluth. Uh, I love this program, and uh, no. And uh, three others came back with him, including uh, Kobe Bender, his running mate, if you will. And um, they they just uh, had unfinished business, I think. They, they experienced the national tournament as uh, freshmen, and then uh, COVID hit, and... Um, I guess freshman and sophomore and then uh, COVID hit and they didn't really uh, get to do what they wanted to do. And uh, now we're kind of back to normal. It was a great crowd here in Loveland. And um, you know, those guys stepped up and uh, a guy like Kyler Clevin that uh, there was a little miscue just inside the blue line from a Michigan tech defenseman. 
he picked that puck up and snapped it past the goaltender so fast. It was just like, wow. And, and when that stuff is happening, Nick, as you know, that, that really puts a damper on what um, uh, the spirit is on the other team. And uh, it just looked like Michigan, uh, Michigan Tech, after those first two goals, we're just like, yeah, we can't beat this team. And uh, I, I think even, Nick, at the end of the game, uh, normally this time of year is is tough because, you know, people's seasons are ending, careers are ending. Uh, and I, I shot uh, my camera lens onto the, um, the uh, goal mouth after the game for uh, Michigan Tech. And I don't know if it was shock or if it was just realization that maybe they didn't have enough to, uh, to beat this team, but – there wasn't the, the sobbing and the things that you normally see when the season comes over. It was more of a realization that, hey, you know, we had a great season, but it ended now. Yeah, and, you know, when, you, when you're a team like Michigan Tech, who, you know, they're not necessarily on the national scale, right, uh, the most well-known name. Uh, you know, they've had success in their program history, but recently it's been, you know, teams like, Minnesota Duluth it's been teams like UMass it's North Dakota's it's some of those big time names and you know from like you said Michigan Tech just seems to be missing the depth that it takes to, to really compete at this level and you know as a player you you, you have an inkling right it, you know we go back to the Minnesota State uh, Bemidji debacle uh, last week uh, and and how that fiasco <laughs> went down you know it just the madness sense, and Mankato right? yeah the madness <laughs> Uh, but, you know, none of the players from what we've, you know, some of these more complete uh, reports came out now since that uh, Saturday have said most of, the, most of the players never took off their gear because they, they saw the replay and said, you know what, there's no way this is going to count. Uh, and I think to your point, right, for Michigan Tech, this is a great, great season for them. You know, you can't take away all that they have accomplished uh, this season. But, you know, now it's, you know, for the coaching staff and the program, now, how do you elevate the program to get it to be where you can take on a team like Minnesota Duluth or others that are in this field and end up coming out on top? And that's going to be the uh, the next step for them. And I think they can do it. Yeah, good stuff. Um, then next up was Notre Dame and North Dakota. And I didn't give Notre Dame a fighting chance. I, I'm sorry. I just didn't oh. think they had a fighting chance. So shame on me. But tell me what you saw on that one because you probably saw a lot more of it than I did. So, you know, subtle brag, uh, my, bra my bracket was a perfect 4-4-4 today, including this matchup. Yeah, uh, nice. But, uh, yes, uh, Notre Dame to me, it was less about Notre Dame, Scott, than it was about North Dakota, what they were missing. Uh, I still think the loss of Jake Sanderson really changes the dynamic of North Dakota, what they can do five-on-five, five, what they're able to do on special teams. Uh, just watching, again, them play in the NCHC tournament, um, there was still offense there, but you got the sense that, you know, North Dakota isn't a team that gets trapped in their own zone often, and when they do, uh, it spells some trouble for them. And we saw that, uh, again, against Western Michigan last weekend, and I thought, okay, this is where you're missing Jake Sanderson. And if he's a no-go, which sort of came out earlier this week that it was very unlikely he would play. Um, I gave Notre Dame an edge. Notre Dame, a very good defensive squad. I think only giving up, was it 2.1 or 2.2 goals against uh, per game on the season. So I said, you know what? They've got a chance in this one if they keep it tight and low scoring. And it took overtime, but Notre Dame getting it done. Um, it's a little bit of a surprise to you because there's so much 
so much firepower up front for North Dakota. We had a history of guys who've uh, have had some long playoff success, and uh, you got to give a lot of credit to the Fired and Irish of taking down uh, UND. Uh, so yeah, this tough game, but uh, again, Notre Dame comes out on top. So some controversy in the end of that one too, kind of. Kind of, yeah. I just <laughs> you know. It, it's like anything, right? We, we talked about even last week how there, there was that hit from behind that was a major and uh, ended up learning, you know, sort of the different looks of how the NCAA takes into account certain things and maybe not other things. Uh, at, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to have moments like this at, at this level of hockey. There's there's going to be controversy. There's, there's going to be, uh, you know, what you call it, those calls that people see either way uh, at the end of the day, I'm okay with what happened. Um, and, and, you know, for, and again, Notre Dame took advantage of it again, 130 into overtime, uh, Graham Swaggart uh, getting the job done. And uh, how about that? Uh, Graham and Landon Swaggart, the two goals for Notre Dame. How, how cool is that? <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, we had the Gotts brothers here, uh, Darian and, um, Gosh, I can't think of the other one from Michigan Tech, but one from Minnesota Duluth, one from Michigan Tech. Uh, so that was kind of a cool story. But uh, that leads us into the game that just concluded about 45 minutes ago, uh, maybe close to an hour ago now. Uh, Denver uh, playing uh, uh, UMass Lowell, the Riverhawks, man. My head is just spinning, Nick. I know you're tired. and <laughs> I'm like, if your head's, I, I got to drive another spinning. hour. I got to drive <laughs> another hour once I get done tonight. Uh, but anyway, um, so I, I was concerned with Denver, and I'll tell you why. Because it seemed like all season the goal was to win a national championship. And uh, I called it to, uh, to somebody else tonight. I said, you know, maybe they're uh, – their major penalty that was taken by Brett Stapley uh, midway through the third period. Maybe that was the wake-up call they needed to get a sense of urgency because I thought the first period, they just didn't look like they had that sense of urgency. And then once that major penalty was called, uh, I don't know if you saw that, but it was a butt ending. Um, I didn't and, see that. And it ended up being a four-on-four four for a period of time. And then I think it ended up being three minutes of uh, major penalty time I want us all said and done, but Carter Savoy got a two on one with Bobby Brink and Bobby set him up nicely. And Carter, uh, Carter said in the, uh, the media uh, conference afterwards that um, the, the goalie coach gave them a scouting report on where to shoot the puck. And he was able to place it right in that spot, which, uh, you know, which is always nice. And if you know anything about Carter Savoy, he can snipe. <laughs> so, yes. so he was able to get that one uh, by him and, and that gave him a brief lead it, it gave him a 2-1 to one lead and then um, uh, the Riverhawks didn't quit after the power play was over with shortly after they scored to make it 2-2 and then um, man what an effort by Cameron Wright and I gotta tell you I, I couldn't be happier for this kid I uh, did a story on him a couple of weeks ago because He's kind of the unsung hero, right? He was the only guy that came out of the portal to play for the University of Denver. And uh, when he came, um, he just bought in completely. And they put him on different roles. They put him with freshmen all year, two freshmen. And um, tonight they started him. And I just had this feeling, Nick, that uh, that Cameron Wright was going to do something special. And lo and behold, he did. And thank God I got it on on pictures for him. Um, he had a big grin in the in the media press conference afterwards because uh, 
uh, he knew what I had written or what I had, uh, the feature I'd done about him. I said, Denver has found their Mr. Right. Uh, yeah. Thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> yes. You're here always, and, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was very fitting that uh, he was the one to get the game-winning goal. Yeah. We talked about uh, Carter Mazur, uh, who set him up to, for that game-winning goal uh, last weekend and how he was sort of like the do-all, uh, the guy that was getting in the corners and winning battles. He was one of the bright spots for Denver last weekend when – uh, for Denver Pioneers fans, there weren't a lot of bright spots last weekend. And I think you hit it on the head earlier that we had some concerns about Denver heading in here. And, you know, we thought, OK, is this a little bit of gamesmanship by Denver to get in, you know, to the NCHE tournament to sort of, you know, pull the uh, pull the, the, the straps back a little bit uh, to try to stay healthy for this matchup. And, uh, and and as you mentioned, at first period, this this team was was almost a little still hung over. Uh, from the NCHC tournament. So there was some warning signs even early in this one. And, uh, you know, again, when U.S. Lowell goes up first, you're thinking, oh, goodness, you know, this, you know, okay, does Denver wake up? Uh, Stapley gets one, then, as you mentioned, Savoy gets one to get them the lead. Uh, and then uh, sometimes, you know, the adversity game, when you take a major penalty, you can kill that off. You know, in, in hockey, sometimes you can rally around that. And the momentum actually goes in your favor. That's what seemed to really get Denver that spark to put them over the edge. And again, Mr. Wright, as you had so aptly written, uh, getting Denver over the edge there, 3-2, uh, again, over the Riverhawks. And, uh, you know, so the question is now, you know, what does Denver do? Um, this is this is where, to me, Denver gets a little tricky um, as they head on forward because, yeah, they won tonight, but I still – I still haven't liked what I've seen out of them the last couple of games. They're still not the Denver squad that really got them to the, the to the to the place they were now. Um, so you kind of wonder, you know, maybe with the win, did they shake it off? Did they build on this, or is there still some shakiness left in the game? I guess only time will tell. Yeah, we'll find out Saturday, 2 p.m. Mountain Time. The uh, Bulldogs and uh, the Pioneers will renew their. Uh rivalry <laughs> at least at tournament time it's it's become something special um here's the interesting part of this nick uh i, I kind of you, you mentioned the word gamemanship and and i wonder if that didn't have something to do with it because uh, nobody plays to lose but but denver really wanted to know what minnesota duluth was going to do to try to stop them and i think mm -hmm. they witnessed it in saint paul and you and i witnessed it in saint paul and um after that, uh, I think they went back to work and they said, okay, well, you know, we, we want to get past the Riverhawks, but um, we also want to get a shot at Minnesota Duluth. And, and Cameron Wright said that tonight too. He said, uh, it's payback time. We owe them. So here's the thing. Has David Carl and his staff put together a game plan um, that can counter what Scott Sandlin did? And the one thing that you can do you can counter everything, I should say, except for a hot goaltender. And Ryan Fanti is red hot. 100% on the money. And the other thing you can't counter is, you know, where Duluth is comfortable. Um, if you do not score first against UMD, it's going to be an uphill battle all night long. Uh, again, you mentioned it uh, last weekend. We mentioned it almost ad nauseum with this squad. Uh, when they're at their playoff peak, when they are the team that is the wagon, that is the Bulldogs, uh, they love to play with the lead, and it doesn't have to be two goals. It could be one. 
Uh, they just know how to get everybody back. Again, as you mentioned it last week, uh, Scott Sandlin pleading to his team that he wants everybody to back check. Uh, it's non-negotiable, as this quote was, uh, was registered. And uh, this is how the Bulldogs have won uh, two national championships uh, in the past couple of years. They've been in another final. Um, so, yeah, you kind of wonder, okay, was this – you know, David Carl going, you know, to the drawing board, looking at film and say, okay, well, how was, how was Duluth going to execute something against us and how do we counter that? Um, and as you mentioned it last week, I think very aptly, he's going to look like an absolute genius if this is how it all plays out of Denver can get past UMD. Or, as you mentioned, does Ryan Fanti, who um, essentially hasn't given up a goal, I think it's over 200 minutes now um, officially, uh, since he let him in his last goal, uh, do you does does he just steal the show and uh, you know continue Duluth on to another Frozen Four? This is going to be quite the matchup to watch, Scott. And honestly, you know, for for my bracket, for those who follow me on Twitter, I post this. I had Duluth coming out of this regional uh, <laughs> because of do. and a lot and a lot because of Ryan Fanti. Um, just be, and just the way that Duluth has played the last couple of weeks, they're the hottest team. Um, they're, they're peaking at the right time. There's a lot of things coming together. Uh, not to say Denver can't do it because they have the offense. They've got the depth. They have a very capable goaltender, a Magnus Corona to do it. Uh, the question is, you know, it's, it's, was it the unstoppable force meets the immovable object? And uh, I'll tell you what, this is going to be quite the treat for college hockey fans. Uh, no matter who wins out of this regional, it's going to have a great shot to go on to win a national championship. This might be a preview of that theater of these two squads. Yeah, well said. I, I will tell you, we know one thing. There will be an NCHC team in the Frozen Four because either Denver or uh, Minnesota Duluth will get in. Uh, we don't know uh, yet on the other um, – well, we don't have anybody left in the other regional. Uh, so there's two regionals nope. that will start play tomorrow, and uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, the other thing I, I think, Nick, is that um, Denver – like I said, felt that urgency with that, that major penalty and they stepped it up. They played hard to the very end. And, and along with that, this, uh, this Riverhawks team was extremely physical, probably as physical of a team as I've seen against um, Denver all year. And uh, well, Duluth plays a good defensive style. I don't think they're the same physical style. So I think um, Denver's picked up, on the fact that, uh, hey, we just beat a team that was extremely physical, probably the most physical that we've seen all year, and uh, maybe they will use that to propel them uh, past the Bulldogs. But again, uh, when you got a Ryan Fanti in that, I call him Fantastic Fanti because he's just unbelievable. I asked him today, I said, have you ever been this hot before? And he said, eh. You know, he said uh, earlier in the year, the regular season, he said, I think I won three or four in a row or had shutouts or something. Um but he said, "Not, not in the playoffs where they all meant meant something." And it's 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 a funny answer, honestly, because you know when you're whether you're hot in the regular season, the playoffs they all mean the same, right? You're winning hockey games, but uh, you know the stakes are magnified. Uh, we touched on it a little bit with Michigan Tech and uh, that uh, that turnover in their own zone that led to the to the opposite goal. Uh, that's what this is all about. Uh, this, this time of year is that you know. Uh, mistakes are magnified by 10 times. And uh, at the end of it, one thing Minnesota Duluth isn't doing is making a lot of mistakes right now, especially defensively. Uh, even offensively, we, we watched them play uh, last weekend. This is a team that 
you know, even if they're cycling the puck in the offensive zone, they're not, you know, going to force a puck through bodies. They know that it's so important to get pucks through that first layer of defense, not get it blocked up high for uh, your op- your opponent to get a quick transition opportunity the other way. They always have numbers back. Uh, so this team is playing just such smart hockey right now. Um, and a couple with the fact that, you, you, you know, they can weather the storm. Uh, again, Duluth, again, can can get past a physical team. We saw that with Western Michigan in the championship game. Um, so Duluth has also shown that they can, you know, kind of, you know, hold the flame to the fire per se, a, a little bit of that sandpaper approach. So uh, this it's going to be a great matchup either way, and I can't wait to, to see who comes out on that one. Okay, so let's jump over to the regional where you're at. Uh, <laughs> what do you expect tomorrow when those two games get underway in Allentown, Pennsylvania? Of course, as everybody picked, you want you know American International College to you know actually come out of this regional. I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, I, I I do I saw think your bracket. You know, that's not true. Exactly, that's not true. No, um, and, and this is no disrespect to American International College, who who you know put kind of a statement on the end of their season seven nothing. Um, you know, for the uh, for their for their conference championship game, uh, but they just do not have uh, you know sort of the firepower at all, uh, both up front and in back that Michigan does. Uh, I think everybody expects Michigan to come out on top of this one. However, I do cover St. Cloud State in this same exact squad a couple of years ago. Yes, I'm getting out the uh, the Kleenexes. I'm going to wipe away some tears here. Uh, but American <laughs> International College uh, showed the world that you know they can do some things too. So. Uh, you know, it'll be intriguing to see, you know, how it goes, but uh, I, I don't expect uh, Michigan to falter in that one. Uh, St. Cloud and Quinnipiac, I think for St. Cloud as a 10th, uh, uh, for the 10th seed, I think they got quite the draw with Quinnipiac, honestly. I think they got a quite a very good one uh, in terms of, I think it's a team that can match up against. Uh, the big question is going to be which St. Cloud team shows up this weekend because, First half of the year, the St. Cloud, you know, at one time was, you know, close to being top of the nation. They were carrying momentum they had for their uh, national championship run last year. Uh, second half of the year, though, it, they, it just fell apart. And uh, we've seen at times uh, their game be very good. We've also seen more often than not, unfortunately, how they can be undisciplined with penalties. Uh, defensively, it's not strong. Uh, some lackluster goaltending in a few of those games, and for most most importantly, they're shooting themselves in their own foots in a lot of these matchups. Uh, so if St. Cloud, if their first half team shows up, they've got a really good chance against Quinnipiac. However, with the team that shows up uh, tomorrow is the team that we've seen the second half of the season. It's going to be a rough go. It might be a very quick uh, trip up here to Allentown here for the Huskies. Okay, so let me ask you this, because Scott Sandlin brought up an interesting point about Noah Cates. He said, uh, somebody commented about Noah played a really good game today, and uh, he said, I think Noah's finally back from being on the uh, Olympic team. And he said the travel was really tough on him. It took him a couple of weeks to get back to normal. Well, St. Cloud State experienced that with a couple of players on a coach. Did you see any of that, Nick? Uh that, that hangover, and and do you think that that those guys may have had – well, there's two things here. The hangover for the guys that were – and the coach that were at the Olympics, but then also the fact that they didn't get into the frozen face-off and they had to sit around and just practice. Um, is that motivating? It is, and then I also want to throw in this set too. You know, 
after the uh, the home and home series against Bemidji, they had back to back series canceled due to COVID nineteen, and so you know, and good teams, as you know, Scott, they they want to keep playing, they want to be consistently uh, in competition. So they were off for almost three weeks uh, before they they ended up playing Miami. It was what Denver, and then it was. Minnesota Duluth in January, back-to-back weekends that were postponed uh, before getting Miami. And, and I, no disrespect again to the Red Hawks, but uh, it, was, you know, it was a very lopsided affair for the Huskies. Uh, that was the last time this team was together. Um, I, I see it less as the Olympics as a more. I see that the, just the team never really got a chance, I think, to get back together in the second half of the season and really just gel and find – a winning formula again. I just, I feel like with the disruptions in their schedule, um, again, some very important personnel, uh, Nick Perbix and Sam Henches, again, the head coach. Um, I, I talked to Brett Larson about that a couple of weeks ago and how, you know, it was difficult for him to be over in China. He was streaming the games from his phone and he was like, man, it was so tough to watch this game and not feel like you can go up and down the bench and, you know, you know, coach a couple players here and there or make adjustments uh, one way or the other because it was really tough. Uh, to, to really be able to be in that position. Uh, so, so going forward, I do think it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, but at the end of it, this team, for whatever reason, just hasn't really found that first half form again. Uh, they're going to have to find it relatively quick if they're going to compete, uh, especially now in the final 16. Uh, I think they can do it. They, we know that they have the talent, the personnel to do so. Um, and I do think there's a motivating factor when you get not only – you, you take away home ice from Duluth. Again, it was the last day of the regular season, but then you essentially gave it right back. You didn't win a single game on home ice. Yeah. Um, so with a very big senior class that St. Claude has, there should be a lot uh, of some motivation and some, uh, you could call some payback emotions there, uh, you know, for this game. Uh, but again, you know, emotions have to be in check. You know, part of the squad's problem the second half was they let their emotions get away from them. Too many penalties taken, uh, undisciplined actions. And so um, I'm very curious to see who, who we're going to see tomorrow. And if, if they do it the right way, they, they've got a pretty good shot. And and then just back to that first game with Michigan and, uh, and AIC, uh, what worries me about Michigan is they tend, or I thought the way it looked to me from a distance anyway, is that they tend to play up and down to their competition. And if they're playing a lesser, and I don't want to take anything away from AIC because they're a very good hockey team, but if uh, they're not all mentally in, and, and, and sometimes I think that can happen when you have so many high draft picks in the NHL. I mean, they know where their future is. It's Do they want to win a national championship? Of course they do. But they also know that uh, their livelihood is coming at some point after this national championship uh, run is over or next year's or whatever in some cases. So uh, I worry about that. Do you? I think I worry, you know, a little bit more about just the this team hasn't really seen the big stage yet. Again, this is a team that qualified last year uh, but couldn't play because of, of COVID again. So there's there's no question the talent that's on the squad. And if, and if anybody's going to make that argument, uh, I'd say go back and, you know, do some more research, but uh, it's more of, you know, and I think to answer a little bit of that question against uh, Minnesota uh, in the big 10 championship. Now, mind you, I think a lot of that game, there was a little bit more self-destruction for the Gophers than it was. Uh, you could say Michigan really sort of earning it themselves. Now, mind you, in playoff hockey, sometimes that's just the way the cards are put in your hands. So uh, I, I think they can. Uh, there is some concern, I think, more 
of just maybe they're on, they're not very uh, like a playoff tested squad and there's still a lot of young talent. Uh, but that's with any college team, right? When you have the talent uh, that Michigan has, I mean, UND and Jake Sanderson's won. You know, there's, there's questions about him. Uh, there's been questions in off seasons for St. Cloud, whether David Rennick would sign uh, with the Los Angeles Kings as he is their draft pick. It, it's something every team goes through. Uh, Michigan just happens to have right now a lot of high-end top-tier talent. Uh, you know, you worry about it, I think, as a coach and as a fan. I think as a player, you're focused on what's in front of you and the job that's at hand. And, you know, and that's the thing is, can it be a, distra- a distraction? Absolutely. Um, I didn't see that again against Minnesota. I, I, I feel like this team is, is really sort of owning the moment. Uh, and maybe so the opposite way, maybe it's motivation for them to win now, because maybe some of these kids have made up their minds. They've talked to their agents, they've talked to their families and said, after the season, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And, uh, you know, let's go out on a good note. So, uh, Time will tell, uh, but there's no doubt that Michigan, uh, I think, has uh, no question uh, the most talented roster that's maybe left in this field, um, and uh, it, it could be the, sort of the winning, the, sort of the winning key to get them uh, to a Frozen Four matchup, maybe a national championship. But less concerned about the players who would leave now because they're still playing hockey now for Michigan. Yeah, good point. Okay, let's jump over to that final uh, regional, the Worcester, Massachusetts final. Worcester. How'd they do? Yes. Yeah, I've been working on that. I've been working on that. Same. <laughs> that that has yeah, Western Michigan as the number one seed, Minnesota two, uh, UMass the defending champion is three, and uh, Northeastern uh, as four. So when you look at those matchups, uh, Nick, what do you see? So when I look at the one four, this is where my big upset pick was in my bracket. I actually picked uh, Devin Levy's leading Northeastern over Western Michigan. Um, a lot of red flags popped up to me for Western Michigan in that championship game for NCHC, um, just not having the gas um, to really finish the job. And you kind of wonder with Western Michigan, they're sort of an unfamiliar territory uh, as, as an organization uh, getting to this point. Uh, again, it was the first ever NCHC championship game uh, uh, that they played in. Again, UMD winning that one, 3 nothing in St. Paul last, uh, last weekend. So does the, does the big stage frighten the squad? Um, I don't necessarily think it's that, but, you know, this team, if they're going to be successful, they have to be on the attack. And we didn't see any of that um, against Minnesota Duluth. And mind you, if Minnesota Duluth is playing their game, uh, very tough to get anything going against, uh, against the Bulldogs and Scott Sandlin's squad. But uh, I just kind of feel like there's, a, there's, there's an opportunity there for a defensive first squad uh, that is Northeastern to pull off an upset. So I, I do see Northeastern actually taking this matchup. And, you know, you, as an NCAT fan, I think Western Michigan was sort of a, a kind of an underrated dark horse coming into this thing. But after these last few weeks, I've, I've kind of, you know, kind of cooled off my burners on them a little bit. Um, and to me, they still have something to prove, especially at this level. And uh, that's why I have Northeastern moving on. And then uh, at the end of it too, uh, the Gophers and UMass, I do think the Gophers, uh, at this point uh, are, are going to make the uh, make the run. They're going to get back to the Frozen Four. They'll take care of business against UMass. It will be a close matchup, and then they will uh, also be able to defeat Northeastern to get back uh, to what, what should be a great matchup against Minnesota State. Uh, but that's kind of what I see, Scott. I'm curious as to see if you have the same concerns I do as Western Michigan or, or if UMass uh, coming off of a national championship bid. They've been there. They've done that. Uh, there's some experience there that could play um, against the Gophers, so that's a tougher matchup than it looks, but I'm curious your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right on with Northeastern. I think um, Devin Levy is going to take over uh, a lot like Ryan Fante did, and I think Western Michigan is going to find out that they just ran into the same buzzsaw one more weekend. Um, yes. And that's not to take a lot away from them, but uh, let's be honest. They've been playing without their captain because of those unfortunate circumstances uh, that happened right around Christmas time, and uh, it, it's got to be tough. I mean, um, uh, it just the, the the togetherness, and I know they put on a good front, but I think behind the scenes, it, it's not all that rosy. So uh, I, I give the edge to Northeastern. Plus, they're playing at home. I mean, um, essentially, Northeastern and UMass are playing in their own backyard, and those uh, fans are rabid for both of those uh, programs, and they'll be out a lot like the people were here in Denver. And I just want to touch on that real quickly. Um, the, this building and um, the Colorado Eagles were founded in 2003 by Ralph Backstrom, uh, the longtime Denver coach. And um, he is Denver hockey and uh, coach Carl touched on that. And they have uh, his initials on their jerseys this year. And, and David Carl asked him about it tonight. And he said, yeah, it was special uh, playing here in front of this audience and our, our uh, student athletes getting a chance to play. Uh, and understanding the legacy of Ralph Backstrom. And um, I, I think that's kind of, um, I don't know, it's its kind of a, uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but you know what I'm trying to say here is that I think there's a little bit of uh, guidance from above pushing, pushing Denver on that end of it. And then I think mm -hmm. uh, for Northeastern and for UMass, I mean, I won't ever bet against Greg Carville after what I saw what he's done in the past. So, so I think uh, Minnesota's got their hands full. And once again, I think Minnesota's got something to prove. Uh, can they do this with their new coach, Bob Motzko? Can they actually get to a frozen four and challenge for a national championship? The talent's there, but can they put it all together under the big lights? That is the question. And uh, the big lights didn't do them many favors uh, last Saturday either, just across the river in Minneapolis. Um, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but, you know, it, it was less uh, Michigan sort of creating their own chances. It was more of Minnesota sort of self-imploding, uh, you know, a, a bad balance, obviously, that gave Michigan the 2-1 lead. And it, it almost seemed like, you know, when those kind of bounces happen, right, and this was actually true with St. Cloud last year, uh, you know, you can do one or two things. You can shrug it off and just say, all right, well, that's just the puck took a bounce and it'll be fine. We'll be all right. We'll, we'll shrug it off and we'll be okay. Or it can rattle you a little bit. I do feel like Minnesota was very rattled by uh, that. They, they sort of lost their defensive coverage after that. We, we saw that uh, when I went back and rewatched the highlights, they were running around with, with their heads cut off for lack of a better phrase. Uh, and it kind of made Michigan's road to securing that big 10 championship a lot easier than it should have been. Uh, we go back to St. Cloud last year uh, in the, uh, in the NCHC uh, frozen face off against Colorado college. It was a goal from the center line. Um, and you know, it, it's like, Oh gosh, you know, how can you let a goal like that in? It's, it's a puck from center ice. You know, you can't let that happen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, there was a shot in the bench and you, you could see some of the, the, the captains talking and it was Seamus Donahue was Spencer Meyer, a few others that said, guys, relax. It's okay. And, and Brett Larson, I asked him about it after, after that game. And he said, you know what? We were fine. You know, I didn't really have to say much. It was actually the, the guys in front of me. They all say, you know, guys, we'll get it back. It's no big deal. It's a bounce. And uh, they really didn't uh, let it phase them. And, and so 
there is some there's there is something to prove here for the Gophers, especially after their performance in the Big Ten Championship. Uh, that seemed to be like a little adversity had them rattled, uh, you know, when the game really had some meaning to it. Uh, so it, it's going to be a good matchup. And again, Greg Carvel and his squad, as you mentioned, they've been here that they are the reigning national champions. So they know what it's like to be in a situation to have, uh, you know, a one all, you know, one, one and done type experience as of recent with a lot of uh, some of their returners. So uh, again, as you mentioned, the Wolvers have everything on their roster that they need to push and contend for a frozen forward, a national championship. The question is, you know, can you keep those emotions not too high and not too low to be able to weather the storm and the ups and downs that a game of hockey brings uh, to be able to come out on top. And, uh, you know, we're going to know in a, in a short 24 hours. All right, let's take one quick break and we'll come back and wrap things up and we'll talk about the, uh, the day off the first time. Uh, and I'll tell you what the coaches here said about uh, having a day off between playing the championship game. Be back in about three minutes. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. Welcome back in, hockey fans. Indeed it is College Hockey Southwest Live, a special Thursday night edition. And the Summer Skates Studios are uh, Loveland, Colorado, and uh, somewhere in Allentown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Scott Strandy with you in Loveland. Uh, my special guest host tonight, uh, Nick Maxson with Husky Productions. Um, in Allentown, and we appreciate Nick staying up late with us. Nick, I promise we'll make this short and sweet to wrap things up, but uh, one of the things that was a change this year, and the, both coaches here anyway that are playing in the final, uh, David Carl and Scott Sandlin, were very thrilled 
to say the least about getting a day off. They said, um, it's all about the student athletes. And when you're playing for a championship, a regional championship or whatever it is, uh, they felt like their athletes deserved a day off before they played it, even though they play back to back all year long, as we know. Yeah. Well, I think Bob Mosco, I give him a little credit too, for, uh, I know that he was very critical of that last year of how uh, he was actually the higher seed and they end up having the later game in that. And then they had to turn around the next day. Essentially it was less than 24 hours. If I recall correctly, to have to uh, compete against Minnesota state. So, uh, at the end of it, yeah, I, I 100% with the coaches here. Um, it's a little bit tougher for us as the people who cover the teams, but uh, um, at the end of it, we want to see the best hockey. We, we want to see uh, both these teams, you know, to be, be to be at their healthiest, uh, to be able to have the kids decide, you know, how these things play out. And uh, you know, I do like that extra game. Uh, it, it's great to be able to get them a day of practice, get them a day of rest, uh, so that way they can put their uh, their best put, uh, foot forward. So. I like it. Um, it extends uh, the weekend a little bit by, by most standards. The one question I'm curious about, Scott, is, is after this, as we know that there's been a lot of talk about uh, the game start times, um, especially today, uh, as well as some of the crowd sizes we've seen. You kind of wonder if, if there might be a negative portion of this because you have to almost extend it into Thursday. Uh, will the NCAA look at this and, and maybe some ticket sales and also uh, some television ratings? And will that play a factor in this too? I, it might, but as far as purely from a student athlete perspective, this is the best setup for them. And I'm glad that they added that extra rest day in. Yeah, I think I uh, totally agree with you, even though it is a little bit of extra work, it's kind of nice to have a day off tomorrow and, um, you know, come back to us uh, from what we're doing. Uh, we're going to be exhausted. And if we get that day off in between, we'll probably really appreciate it. I know you got a long day ahead of you tomorrow. Um, let's just quickly recap what's going on tomorrow. If you have it in front of you and you want to give us a rundown of the four games, That'll be played tomorrow in the two regionals. Yeah, so for the uh, the regionals uh, tomorrow, uh, again, uh, some great matchups. Uh, so let's take a look uh, at who actually is playing. I'm trying to pull up my stats here. There it is. So I'll just keep it in here in Allentown. Again, Michigan and, and uh, American International College, uh, they're the 3 o'clock game. Um, Michigan Eastern all the way time, in this correct. one. Eastern time, correct. Yep, yep. let me uh, – I forget that I'm in like – two different time zones in my, and I swear my brain feels like it's in seven different time zones right now after uh, the 21 hours that Sid's been having to compute uh, information today. So I apologize. Uh, and then again, St. Cloud State and Quinnipiac, uh, eight o'clock Eastern. Uh, that's the second matchup here in this regional. Um, I actually do have St. Cloud State edging. Um, I feel like that it's a matchup that they can win. Um, am I confident? Not very. I, I will be the first to admit that. Um, it all depends on which, again, I mentioned it before, is that the Huskers show up and, and they have, they've taken the two weeks and use motivation and they can channel it the right way. Uh, they, have a, they have a good chance. Um, but uh, again, I'm still, I haven't seen enough recently for me to be 100% confident in my hometown squad uh, for me to really put full confidence in them. Uh, but first matchup with they will be Western Michigan and Northeastern at noon Eastern. Um, again, I've got Northeastern moving on in this one. Uh, we talked about that earlier. And then uh, at 6 o'clock Eastern, it is the Gophers and UMass. And what should be, I think, part of the more intriguing matchup of the day, um, I think, you know, you know, for as far as college hockey fans, and I do have the Gophers moving on. Uh, but again, as you mentioned, Greg Carville and his squad, uh, they're not. if that happens, they won't make it easy. And so that'll be a very... Play, uh, tightly contested squad uh, game, and I, I do feel like that one could come down to the wire if not an overtime game. It just it has uh, you know a one goal game written all over it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Paul Hornstein will uh, get his uh, his beauty sleep tonight, and uh, he'll be back tomorrow night. And you're more than welcome to join us, Nick, tomorrow night too. If you want to recap your re- regional with us, we'd love to have you. Um, if you want to take, I a mean, nap, I've already been I understand up for that as well. <laughs> Twenty-two hours. I mean, I might as well just go straight through. So, <laughs> so uh, go once get the some train roll, once the train's <laughs> rolling, just kind of keep it going. Right? No, I'd be happy to be on tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. Well, uh, back here in Loveland, it'll be a uh, UMD Denver NCHC matchup, uh, 7 p.m. No, 2 p.m. in the afternoon on uh, on um, Saturday will be the matchup. So, Nick, thanks so much for uh, for stepping in. I, I always appreciate it. I love the conversation and uh, get some sleep and and the good luck Huskies. Let's uh, let's see the Huskies do some damage because I watched them play in the Frozen Four last year, and uh, they need to get one. They need to get a championship and bring it back to the Herb. Yes, they do. Uh, that uh, I, I know. I think I'm always happy if any team you know that wins their first is always good. Uh, Minnesota State is also in that same conversation. If they ended up getting back uh, to the Frozen Four and taking it, I'd be extremely happy for Mike Hastings, who's got um, a sponsored locker room stall in St. Cloud, the former uh, Husky player himself. Uh, I know that uh, those two programs, at least uh, off the ice, are very close to knit in terms of the hockey community in Minnesota, so that would be nice to see for either those squads. But uh, for right now, we're hoping for Brett Larson and the squad to to find some of that early season magic, and uh, uh, they'll have to put on the ice tomorrow. Hope I'll be uh, waiting to see what happens. It'll be a fun show. All right, let's carry the banner, the NCHC banner, since that's who we cover. And um, we'll go from there. So we'll say goodnight from Loveland and from Allentown. Um, Nick, I, again, I, I can't thank you enough because I know you've had a really rough day. So get some rest, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow night. It's been a great good day, night, not a rough day. Just, yep, good night. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.